Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Can we give it up for them one more time? Wow. Father's Day is better than birthdays sometimes, you know. I mean, get some good cooking and some good food and we're all going to eat later like pigs and then go into food comas and all that kind of stuff. So at least I am. I don't know about anybody else in here. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, if you're new to Connect, I just want to welcome you. And I want to do something that uh, we don't take for granted or don't take lightly. I want to welcome, all, uh, first of all, our online uh, viewers as well. But in particular, can we give from here to there the warmest welcome to our Framingham campus? Come on, Framingham. We love you over there. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in Framingham. We love you guys. We love what you're doing, and we're excited for all the changes that are happening there, all the growth there, and all the community. You guys have started Connect Groups for the first time. I'm so excited for you about that. That's great, getting that community, getting that, that identity. We're one church, many locations, but you guys got to have your own kind of connections and community over there, so keep it up. Keep it up. Amen? Listen, on Father's Day, um, one of the things I was thinking of as I was driving in this morning, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 4. I think it says 4.15, it says, many of you, some of you have had many teachers, but not many fathers. So I think it even says a thousand teachers, but not many fathers. You know what that's really talking about? It's easy and it's highly accessible to go online and listen to a lot of people and download a podcast and watch somebody on a television program and, and you know, and see a message, you know, through the, through the internet. But it's really important to get into a place where you have physical contact, where you have community, where you have family, where you have a place where you consider someone uh, a leader in your life or a spiritual father in your life. And I want to just commend you for making church a priority here at Connect because it's not the same. Uh, it's listening online, it's good. Getting those resources is good. But how many know it's not the same as being somewhere live? Can I have an Amen. No offense to all your online viewers right now, but listen, we're encouraging you to, to be in a place where you're in community. Amen? Um, I also want to bring an announcement. Speaking of fathers, uh, one of my spiritual fathers, we call him an overseer, uh, Pastor John and Helen Burns are going to be here next week. Um, We've had, uh, we're going to have all my spiritual fathers in some way, shape, or form here, uh, you know, and connecting with us. Um, in, 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 in hopefully, over the course of a 12-month period, we try to do that in some way. And uh, Pastor John and Helen Burns pastor in Vancouver, Canada, and they pastor Relate Church. They travel the world uh, doing marriage and, and, um, and uh, communication and sex seminars. Is that amazing? And so um, they, um, they've had an uh, incredible impact on Stacy and I and, and our marriage and our family. And I was just uh, messaging him this morning and wishing him a happy Father's Day for his impact. But you guys are going to get blessed. You don't want to miss John and Helen Burns. You can look them up online if you want to share uh, kind of our graphic to other people. It's a great service to be at. They speak to thousands and thousands of people. They've, they've spoken at Hillsong Conference, and they're friends with uh, the Houstons and the, whole, and the whole Hillsong family over there. So they're kind of big shots, but they love us over here in Boston. Amen? So really important stuff coming up. And uh, let's get our worship guides out, and we're going to get right into our series uh, this morning. We're continuing uh, our series entitled The Tree of Life. Uh, two trees, one choice. How many were here last week for The Tree of Life? Good. How many uh, got something out of that? Did that help anybody out there? Okay. So this is kind of a foundational uh, message last week. If you did not get that, I'll try to quickly review that, but um, a lot of times we do series that are, let's say, topical in nature. This is more of a kind of a, a book study. We're, we're unpacking the book of Galatians. We'll be bouncing around to different scriptures as well, but really kind of a, a, a word study through the book of Galatians. So last week was Galatians 1. Today will be Galatians 2, and next week will be? Good job, good job. You guys, a few of you are paying attention right now. So um, so what we talked about last week, and we, we talked about the two trees, but we also talked about two Gospels. Um, gospel means good news, but it's really our belief system, the thing we apply to our life, the manual for living, uh, a roadmap for living. And what we saw in uh, the book of Galatians uh, is the Apostle Paul bringing a letter of correction uh, to the Galatian church because they had fallen prey to a different gospel than the one originally preached. And, it's, and, and basically what happened was there were these new believers who kind of came behind Paul, and they were Jewish believers, and they were speaking to these new Gentile believers. 
I don't know if you guys are tracking with me, but basically Paul was called to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. And, and in other words, the gospel was for the whole world, not just for uh, the, the, the nation of Israel. And so he, these, these Jewish converts go to these Gentile converts and say, hey, 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 uh, you got to do something else besides what he told you to be a part of this Christian community. And they reintroduce an Old Testament kind of rule uh, called circumcision. How many were here for that when I uh, brought out the scissors last week? I don't have my scissors, but anyway, I was going to bring hedge clippers this week just to make it a, a little bit more demonstrative, you know, and just kind of come out. But, um, but circumcision in the Old Testament was a sign of faith. It was, uh, it was a significant sign of faith. But of course, the Jews did this when they were very young, under the age, uh, eight days old, they were circumcised. And so they're trying to reintroduce something that came a little easier for them to an adult population. And this was kind of shaking things up, and there was all kinds of debate and dialogue about this. And it created a lot of problems. So Paul writes this corrective letter basically saying, what are you guys doing? He basically said, I'm astonished that you have introduced a different gospel. And he's kind of upset about it. And, and, he, and he really kind of uh, contrasts um, these, these two uh, I like to call it brands of Christianity. They're really like two brands of Christianity that are being promoted, not just then, but today. And you can see this notion, this idea, introduced as early as the book of Genesis, when you see these two trees in the Garden of Eden. And we talked about the two trees that are there. We have the tree of life, uh, and then we have the tree of the knowledge of good and what? And evil. So there's these two trees, and one of these trees leads to life. And according to Scripture in Genesis, one of these one of these trees leads to death. It will literally kill the the relationship between you and God. It'll kill uh, your ability to live and overcoming an abundant life here on earth as well. And so um, these two trees were literal trees, but they were symbolic in nature. They affected our view. They affected how we see good and evil. So if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's going to affect your view of good and evil. If you eat from the tree of life, you're going to see things through a lens of life. You're going to see things through a lens of relationship with God versus a lens of, of knowledge that you've acquired. Does that make sense to everybody? Sort of. So if you're in the right tree or if you're in the right gospel, what would happen as a result of that is you'll have an internal motivation that will fuel your behavior. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll have an external motivation to try to modify, manage, or change your behavior, but you'll be frustrated. It'll become exhaustive. It'll become difficult. And so we highlighted that last week, and, and, and we kind of introduced uh, this, 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 this fuel, this, this want-to versus have-to kind of relationship with God. And, and it was foundational. So I just highly recommend that you go back to that, that you, uh, that you listen to that. You can skip in about six minutes into the thing. There's just some announcements and important information to, to what's happening globally in the church. But you want to get right into the message, you skip in about six or seven minutes. But let's look at Galatians chapter 2 today. We're going to talk about a secret to living in the tree of life. Because I don't know about you, but, but sometimes it's not easy to stay in that tree. It, it's pretty easy sometimes to, to leave that. And so let me just get into a scripture here where you can see an example in, in Galatians 2 where Peter, an apostle, uh, was in the tree, but he got out of the tree. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and following, it says this. It says, later when Peter came to Antioch, he said, Paul speaking, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him. So Peter's a problem. Paul's going to confront him. Because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter, they regularly... Notice he doesn't name the people, but he could have, but he didn't. Anyway, that's just kind of funny. Um, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. So he, Peter was hanging out. He was doing life with. He was being life-giving to these Gentiles, these, these new converts, these new believers. He, he's, he's accepting people. He's, he's opened up to people. But... 
when that conservative group, remember the group that came in behind Paul that I told you, the Jewish Christians that uh, brought this kind of add-on to the gospel, this circumcision message. Everybody know what I'm talking about. That's who he's talking about right here. This conservative group came from Jerusalem. What do they do? When that happened, Peter cautiously pulled back as much and gave as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. So suddenly, because of this other group, this conservative, Old Testament kind of group, he, he says, whoa, 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 I can't be hanging out with these guys anymore. i got to pull back. i gotta, I got to unravel that. That's how fearful he was of this conservative Jewish clique that had been pushing the old system of circumcision. So this old system, this Old Testament system, uh, specifically the law, or even more specifically, you could say the Ten Commandments. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch Church joined in that hypocrisy. So because Peter, a key influencer, uh, was affected by that, others, other kind of uh, converts were affected by that. They joined into that hypocrisy so, so that even Barnabas, who was, who was a key leader, was swept alongside, as they say in Harvard, in the charade. Uh, just seeing if everybody's listening out there. So... So Peter, he's hanging out with these, these non-believers. He pulls back. Peter succumbs to some kind of a peer pressure from this religious population. Does that sound like something that might happen in the church today? Where we stop doing what we know is right, what our heart tells us is right, what the Word of God even sometimes tells us right towards others who maybe don't uh, believe like we do or maybe who are new in the faith. And because of religious liturgy, tradition, rules, regulations, suddenly we, we separate ourselves physically. The Bible actually tells us to separate ourselves in our hearts from ungodliness, but we're supposed to actually be an influence on the world, a salt and light into the world. Amen. But all these new believers who are experiencing this life-giving message, this gospel, they go right back with Peter to this old way. So that's our problem, though. I think this is really relevant to us. I think that if there were two trees up here, the tree of life over here, we're loving it, we're living in it, and then all of a sudden something from the outside or some old experience or some religious introduction comes back into our situation, and before you know it, like a monkey, we swing over to that old tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so this, me this message is dedicated to people who feel that tension, who've experienced that. I know what it's like to live in this, this vibrant, uh, intimate, personal, um, life-giving relationship, but I also know what it's like to very quickly swing over to this other side. I know when I was growing up, my mother... Um, she's heard me tell this story many times, and I can't say that I've ever got permission from her, but I've told it so many times, I'm going to keep telling it. And so, uh, but she, my mom's a very dedicated uh, Christian. In fact, probably one of the most I've known in my whole life. And so this isn't the case now, but in, in, when I was growing up as a kid, she would have what we call devotions. It's when you spend time with God, you go in, you get into like a closet or you get in a, a quiet place and you close the door and you read your Bible and you pray and you reflect on what God is saying to you. And she's done that my whole life, an hour every day, my whole life. I'll just let that sit in for a second, but that's pretty awesome. This is, in, this is Father's Day, not Mother's Day, but uh, I should, you know, that is pretty amazing. But, um, but, but when I was younger, she and my dad, they'd have, um, they, they, they had a, a commitment to stay together to the bitter end. You know what I mean? Like, like they didn't believe in, 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 in murder, but, you know, they didn't believe in divorce, but they did believe in murder. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so they, they would fight it out. And so I can remember my mom going in, you know, to, the, to that room for an hour and spending time with God. And I'd be thinking, that's awesome, spending time with God. And then she'd come out, and in seconds, they're just going at it. And I'm just thinking to myself as a young person, who is she talking to in there? Because it couldn't have been God. Because it didn't translate into the marriage right after that. But the truth is, now I know, because of my own experiences and because of my own monkey swinging behavior, that you can have this intimate time with God in the local church. You can have an intimate time with God here in worship, and only minutes later, you can get out of the parking lot, come on somebody, and you can be going from shout to the Lord in here to shouting at somebody out there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, this is dedicated to you, because... I want to know, I think you want to know, is there a secret to staying in the tree of life or do we always going to swing back and forth like monkeys from two trees? And so in Galatians chapter 2, look with me 
uh, as we continue. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It says this, uh, Paul explains the gospel again. And he basically says, we know really well um, that we are not set right with God by rule keeping. But I love these words. But only through personal faith. In Jesus Christ. So this is a personal thing. This is a relational thing, not a religious thing. How do we know it? He says, we tried it. He says, we tried it. We went there. We did that. We kind of been there, bought the t-shirt already, all right? And then he goes on to say, and, and we have set this, we tried it. He says, we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. So this is kind of what we did before. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believe in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting, by the way, not by learning, not by knowledge, not by external, but by internal by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. So that's, so Paul kind of reviews the gospel, right? And he goes on. Um, I don't know what it says. The next verse here, it says, what actually took place is this. He says, I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God. See, that's what happens when we're in the wrong tree. It's work. It becomes works-based, not grace-based. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. If we, if we weren't recognizing that, receiving that, and living that, then what man would do if he could do it by his works, the Bible says he would boast about it. He would brag about it. He would basically say, God, I got it. I don't need you anymore. And so Paul's trying to say, you can't live in that tree. you got to live in this tree. So we tried that. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. That's the end game of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yes or no. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. You see, law is tree of knowledge of good and evil. God's man is tree of life, relationship. Life is found in him. Is that very relevant to anybody out there? So I feel that tension, and there is a secret. And so the main theme uh, of Galatians chapter 2, actually in one of the final verses, Paul reveals the secret. He unpacks it for us. And, And he basically... He's trying to help people who are switching back and forth between the two systems, between the two worldviews, between uh, one way to live and another way to live. And he introduces a discipline, that a spiritual discipline that honestly is not so popular. It's not really popular. In fact, to be honest, this message is not one that I would take somewhere else or people would take somewhere else in my office to, to, uh, to get a crowd to come out or to get a crowd all riled up. This won't build a crowd. This will build a church, though. I, don't, I should have got an amen from this church. See, God wants a church. He wants a growing people, not just people who get their ears tickled and, you know, coochie, coochie, coochie. No, we're here to go, oh, whoa, you know what I mean? Once in a while, I love how it hurts. I need this in order to grow, amen? So if you're, if you're wanting to grow, I just this is for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you want to grow? All right. Turn to your other choice and say, you definitely need to grow. Okay, so... See, some people think growth is, some people think that this, you know, this is the deep end of the pool, but some people think the deep end of the pool is some big theological thing. Like the deep, some people think being deep means it's got to be confusing. See, being deep is loving your neighbor as yourself. Being deep is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Being deep is looking at something that you don't want to do, but you need to do it in order to grow. That's deep. Can I have an amen? Amen. Let's go deep today. So one principle that can change your life comes from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And the Bible says this, and I memorized this many years ago. It used to be one of my daily prayers. It needs to be one of my daily prayers, if I'm honest. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Christ died once and for all for the the shedding of blood for the remissions of sin. He is the once and for all sacrifice. This is not talking about you getting on the cross. This is about you, we're going to talk about this, this is about you dying daily. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The principle is in, the secret is in what's called the crucified life. 
It's going, to be, it's going to be quiet here. You don't get a lot of amens on points like that. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the motivation for living the Christ-filled life is knowing that God loved me and gave himself for me. We love because he first loved us. We surrender our life uh, to ourself and to our flesh and to, the wor- and to the world system because Jesus surrendered his life so we could have life with him forever. The motivation ultimately comes from him, but living the crucified life is what we're talking about. And what I want to really teach you is about the art of dying. Are you serious, Pastor Derek? We're going to come to church and we're going to talk about the art of dying. Yes, we're going to talk about that because if you can live this principle, this art of dying, you can consistently maintain what you've obtained. You can consistently hold on to what you've grasped in relationship with God. You don't have to let go of that place, that position, that posture in the tree of life if you can understand the art of dying. Can I have an amen? In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says this. uh, uh, this is talking about Jesus' life. It says, from that time on, this is, this is the end of Jesus' ministry, just so you know contextually. He's at the end of his ministry. He's, you know, he, he was pretty much on the earth from 30 to 33 years old, so he's in this 33 thing, and he's in the final phases of his mission on earth. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, Uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, before I go on, here's kind of the context here. Let me explain this to you. The disciples are under the notion at this point, they think that Jesus is going to be an earthly king, not an heavenly king. So they're pretty fired up because they think if there's anybody who, they, they they wanted the Roman Empire to be overthrown. They, they're, they're, that's their objective. They're, they're thinking, we're going to follow this guy. He's the Messiah, come to be king on earth. But their understanding as Jews was a physical king, an earthly king to overthrow Rome. Is everybody tracking with me? And so they're following him. They're all in. And then Jesus basically drops this bomb on them. And he basically says, I'm going to be killed and, and I'm going to die. I'm checking out. And they're like, what? Huh? Where They're just freaked out right now. And so Peter, and I think this is just crazy, Peter, a disciple, he kind of shows up on the scene right after that, as you guys know. And, and, and how many know, by the way, when your plans or your agenda is uh, thwarted, it's not able to be lived out, that is one of those places where you are test to live in the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you're wanting to go this way, and then God says, I want you to go this way, your response to that will reveal which tree you're in. And so in this moment, Peter, he reveals which tree he's in. And so Peter's, Peter's like, wait a second. So, he, so this is crazy. I can't even believe he would do this. Peter took him aside. Who? Jesus. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter, are you out of your mind? This guy, could, he could make you a grease spot. Anytime he wanted. This is the guy that fed 5,000 with a loaf of bread. This is the guy that walked on water. This is the guy that calmed storms. You're going to pull him aside and rebuke him? How many know he was living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right there? Like his flesh was very alive. And he began to rebuke him. He says, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want the Son of God to say that to me, you know? So he's rebuking the Spirit in Peter, okay, just so we're clear. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now look what he says. He points out this contrast. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, you're, you're, you're very alive. You're not dead in Christ. You, you have not crucified self. Self is alive and well right now. And as a result, your mind is in a different tree, and you're thinking about what you want to happen, how you want it to happen, how you think things should go. And because of that, I'm going to have to go get behind me because you're a stumbling block to the plan and the mission of God. And then Jesus said to his disciples, he kind of, he, un, he, unpa- he dangles this, this secret here. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must, this is big here, deny themselves and take up what? Their cross and follow me. So this is huge. 
This whole crucified life thing here, Jesus introduces this concept here to the disciples. You want to continue to have this relationship with me? You're going to have to receive, you're going to have to learn about the art of dying. And then he basically says this. He's like, this is how it works. For whoever wants to save their life, you're going to lose it. That's what we learned in the Garden of Eden. You will die if you continue to eat from the wrong tree. You'll lose it. But whoever loses his life, that's the crucified life, for me will what? We'll find it. We'll find it. So there are some things that we have to regularly put to death in our life. And I believe there's some things that we can do each day that can keep us empowered, that help us hold on to and maintain what we've obtained and continue to live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But many people, you know what? Many people want a message where the circumstances are going to change. Many people want a message where the weather changes before we change. Many people want a message where my spouse changes and I don't have to change. Many people want a message where the situation changes instead of us. This message is about how you can change. Because you know what? We can't control other people's behaviors. They have, a, they have what God gave them, free will agency. It's this muscle of choice. But we can control our choices. We can, choose, we can choose to follow or not follow, receive or not receive, reject or accept, or bless or, or curse. Those are our choices. And so the crucified life helps us do that. And so I know some people are in tough situations, so I don't want to be insensitive to that. Some of you are in a tough job situation, some of you are in a tough financial situation, some of you are in a tough marital situation, and, and, and I realize that, and I, and I definitely want to, I would, if I were you, and I am you, and in many of those situations, I understand them, I pray for those things to change, but at the end of the day, it's just like me, if I went out to, to and one of my areas that I struggle with is driving, you know, I, it's just, I can be, I can get up in the morning, have time with God for like 45 minutes, um, and, and then I, and I put a pre-workout drink in there about 15 minutes before I leave so that by the time I arrive at the gym, like, I'm ready to go. And I either need to punch a wall or I need to lift some weights. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But, but I can literally just go from worshiping God and, and just these, some of the songs that were here today, you know, Abba, Father, all those. I'm listening to all those songs in the morning. And then I get in the car and, and I take off and I get out of my neighborhood. It's just beautiful. And then I, then I get in and I get over to 126, baby. And it's all of a sudden, I am just like fired. I'm like, what the, what the yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking like? You don't say anything, but you're saying like this silent voice. It's like somebody behind you is beeping at you, and you're looking in the mirror like, what? what? Come on then. Come around then. You know what I mean? And you're losing it. And it just, just like that, it can happen. Nobody else has that opportunity like I do. And so uh, there are some daily opportunities for us to be able to change. And, and, and here's the thing. The traffic could be gone. The road could be crystal clear. The weather could be perfect. But you know what? I could still be angry. There could be not a soul on the planet on the road, but there could still be anger inside of me. Because it's the, it, it's, it's the external that provoked it maybe, but what was already in, that was up to me, what came out. See, somebody might tip the vase over, but what comes out of it, that was the responsibility of the vessel. And so God wants to deal with what's in the vessel, what's in the person, what's in you and what's in me, and see us change. In Romans chapter 6, Paul unpacks this, because basically what that means is something, something has to die. There's something that has to give, something that has to change, and this is what the crucified life is all about. And basically, you can see this, for we know that our old self was crucified. This is basically saying, it's talking to believers. People that have made a decision to become a Christ follower, to accept what Jesus did for you on Calvary 2,000 years ago, and pay for your sins so you don't have to pay for them. That's what really a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who realizes they've been forgiven a great debt. Uh, Somebody that doesn't accept that forgiveness or that debt being paid by Jesus Basically, God didn't design it for, for, for anybody else to pay it. He wanted his son to pay for it. But if we won't accept that payment, then we have to pay for it, right? But those who have accepted that payment, uh, they, that old self was crucified. We surrendered our life to Jesus at salvation. So we surrendered our life to Jesus at salvation for eternity, but we have to surrender our life in the daily, in the here and now. Does that make sense? In other words, I forget how I wrote it in my notes, but, but basically some things have to die so we can experience real life. But, but um, this, this daily decision to do this 
isn't about eternity, it's about today. Okay? So, for we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Praise God, Jesus did that. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So, when... When you've received this, debt paid, it's totally awesome. That's what I want for everybody in this room. That's what we all want. We want freedom. But the art of dying is critical to this. And I discovered in Galatians, reading it through many, many, many times, uh, in fact, um, several times, that there are three uh, times that we see this crucified term used in three different places. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three different um, areas of our life that need to be crucified that show up in the book of Galatians. Is this helping anybody out there? So Paul, again, he says, here's the first one. You have to crucify, you have to crucify self. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You have to crucify, you have to crucify self. Crucify self. We need to come to a place after that salvation choice where we don't surrender um, where we've already surrendered to Jesus for eternity, but now we're surrendering to him for today, for today. In fact, a great verse that, uh, that uh, supports this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 31. Look, it says, I die, what? Every day. I die daily. I die every day. Paul knew that there was a tendency for us to grab this vine and swing back to this other tree. This, grab this vine and kind of come alive to this old person, this old self. And so that's why you and I, we need to die every day to, to self, to self, to me, myself, and I. Paul knew that there would come a time where daily in prayer we would go before the Lord and we would, we would crucify the self-life. Uh, what does that look like? It's, it's like praying every day to God and getting down. Uh, I, I think this is good to do, maybe even just for 10 seconds, and just get down on your knees and pray to God and say, Lord, once again, I say yes to you and no to me. Once again, God, I surrender my thoughts to you. Give me the mind of Christ. Once again, I surrender my eyes to you, God. Give me, I make a covenant with my eyes. Lord, once again, I, I give you the words of my mouth. May the meditations of my mouth, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Once again, I, I give you my feet, God. May I, I not uh, swerve to the right or to the left or make level paths for my, how do you know these things? Because the word of God says these things, and so I just pray the word of God while I, at the same time, am subordinating myself to him in prayer. Does that make sense to everybody out there? And sometimes you got to do that with people, too. Sometimes I pray, I predetermine to forgive people who are going to upset me, offend me, or cut me off in traffic. And so, God, I forgive all those people on 126 on the way to the gym that are going to drive so slow. They don't know how important I am, God. I'm an important person right now, and i got things to do in places to go. No, I subordinate that. I surrender that. I crucify that right now in Jesus' name. I forgive them in advance. Paul Youngie Cho, that was his name originally. He was the pastor of the largest church in the world in uh, Korea, and he used to, he used to say, I, I pray every day for all the people who offend me and hurt me because I hate so many people. <laughs> he would pray in advance, you know, I forgive them in advance and pray those kind of words in advance. And so you just kind of pray, God, I, I, I give over my plans to you. Take all of me, I give it all to you. My attitude, my thoughts, my words, my plans, my agendas, all that. And in the process of when you're doing that, you are, you are, you are preparing yourself, you are, you are insulating yourself within the tree of life. And here's the thing about it, it's only good for about 24 hours. That's why Paul said, I die every day. Every day, it's you I live for. Every day, it's, a, it's about a 24-hour experience. And that practice will change your life, and it will keep you in the tree of life in the process. In John chapter 3, verse 30, it says this, Paul spe uh, John speaking, he says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's what you're doing when you crucify self. You're humble. You're basically saying, I humble myself before you so that I don't need to be humble later. I humble myself before you and say, you are great. I am not. I put you on the throne of my life, and I take me off the throne of my life. Because that's what happens is Christ is on the throne in heaven, but he has to be on the throne in your heart. You have to do that. 
That's your decision and that's your choice. And, and here's a little secret too. The Bible doesn't say uh, self-denial. The Bible says deny yourself. There's a difference between denial of self and self-denial. Self-denial is self is still on the throne. I'm going to say no to me, but I'm, I want reciprocation from you. And if you don't give it to me, then the relationship is breached and broken. Denial of self says Jesus Christ is on the throne. I'm doing this in submission to him, not for something from someone else. And in the process, if someone else does what is right or good or, 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 or reciprocates in some way, then I'm grateful. Then I'm grateful. See, there's a big difference between desiring something like that versus expecting something like that. See, expectation will always kill the dynamic between you and God and you and another person. Desires, okay. I had certain desires. I, I, I desired when I got married that my wife would wear cute little things when she went to bed at night. But she wore a t-shirt from the eighth grade that could walk by itself. Okay? So, so but if I expected her to do that... And, and then she did it. Here's what happens. I'm at sea level relationally. Basically, what does she do? You scored zero because that's what I expected. But if she came to bed and she had that little cute thing that I bought her and, 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 and I didn't expect it, but I desired it. And she came out. I'm like, woohoo! You know what I mean? Way above sea level. My response is gratitude. It's the same way when you're dealing with difficult things. Just down the street. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Okay. Uh, this is a marriage seminar, so sorry about that. I, I switched over every now and then. Down the street, I used to live down the street, and I used to call these doorknob prayers. I would come home. I would come home from work, working all day long. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I would, and I would say, God, you know, before I walk through that door. Now, what I wanted, what I desired on the other side of that door was a home-cooked meal, was kids showered, bathed, already done their homework, and looking perfect. And a wife who greeted me, you know, like it was like the, the, the Leave it to Beaver show. Like, you know, she's, whatever her name was, Mrs. Cle Jude, Jude Cleaver. Yeah, she would come to the door, kiss me in a little apron, sweet little cute little thing, you know. And, but, but, but that might not happen, Derek. So, so I stayed at the door sometimes a long time while I was crucifying the flesh, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think he's dead yet. Right now I'm still thinking about this and this and this and this. And so, God, I said, you know, I desire this. I don't expect it. So, God, I pray that you give me a grace that I don't have in myself. I pray, Lord, that you help me to crucify me and serve Stacy, you know. And so sometimes I'd open that door, and literally it was like World War III on the other side. Here's a baby. Devin just pooped in the bedroom. One of them's in the tub. You know what I mean? SpaghettiOs are on the table. You can eat them whenever you want, and there's chaos. And it was like, ah, whoop, whoop. You know, it's just fire alarm. It's crazy. But every now and then, on the other side of that door, not prayer, it was just, you know, I walk in the room, Stacy's on the floor, and she's playing with the kids, and it's just all cute, you know, and, 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 and there was pizza and salad, you know, it's like, whew, no SpaghettiOs, you know what I mean? And, and because I desired it, and I didn't expect it, I was grateful, I was happy, and I was able to stay in the tree of life, because before I went in through that door, I crucified Amen myself. Amen. Is everybody tracking with me? And so there's a difference between self-denial and denial of self. What would it be like if we started our day like that? What would it be like if we lived that way? So your action step is humility. Everybody say humility. All right, here's your, here's your next thing. Crucif the next thing we see in the book of Galatians to stay in the tree of life, to learn this art of dying, is to crucify uh, my flesh, to crucify my flesh. Now, my flesh is not referring to your skin, just so you know, your flesh is referring to your passions and to your desires. And, 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 and there's kind of this new theology out there in the world today that, uh, that you can trust, you can lean on. You are your passions, your desires, and your feelings. People, people think that, well, you know, my, 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 my father was Italian, I'm Italian, and so I just, I just, we're just fiery in our house. We're just, we're just kind of, we just let fly. We just say whatever we want to say. And so my father and my mother was Italian, so I'm Italian, so I just let them know what I think. <laughs> no, no, no. You are not just 
what your nationality says. You are not just what your passions. My father was Irish, and he had red hair, and so we're hot in our house. You know what I mean? And we just say what comes out of our No, that's not who you are. So sometimes as Christians, we adopt a world philosophy or concept that is contrary to Scripture, and we just say, well, my passions and my desires, that's just who I am. What your passions, desires, and feelings are is not who you are according to Scripture. You don't have to accept your passions, your desires as your predisposition, as your orientation, or as your identity. Can I have an amen in this house? And so that's what the world's trying to tell you you are, who you are. So I don't live by my feelings most of the time. If I live by my feelings, I can promise you right now I would not be your pastor if I live by my feelings. I would be in, the, I would be in a mud pit somewhere. I would be in a pig pen somewhere in a lot of trouble, in a lot of sin. And so you have to put to death, crucify those desires and those passions. That argument is making its way throughout the world and it's causing us a lot of trouble. And that argument does not line up with what God's word says. So basically, when you crucify your flesh, you are saying, I choose to line up with what God's word says. I let... My choices lead, not my feelings. I let principles lead, not pressure lead. I let standards lead, not selfishness lead. Does that make sense? And so when you live by your convictions, people sometimes say, you know, what's your opinion on that? I don't have an opinion. I have a Bible. It's quiet in this church right now. It's very quiet. Let it be noted. So, so I go to the Bible for that. So I have opinions, but I subordinate them in this time. I crucify those things to what God's word says. This is hard to live, PD. Yes, it is, but there's freedom on the other side. That's the incentive. It is hard to live, but there's freedom on the other side. And so Joshua chapter 24 says, choose this, choose for yourselves. Choose for yourselves. Don't wait for the feeling. I want to sing a song, but I won't. Don't wait for the feeling. Make a choice of yourselves this day, whom you will serve. It says, but as for me and my household, we will. Notice it doesn't say we feel. When we, when we feel like it. When we dis- No, we will means you can exercise this muscle called the will and serve the Lord. So it's, it's bad theology. It's even bad philosophy to trust your feelings. So your action step is choices. Everybody say choices. All right, here's the final one. Are you guys getting something out of this? Third one is this, to to learn the art of dying, to stay in the tree of life is to crucify the world. Crucify the world. Now, Galatians chapter 6, another place this shows up, uh, uh, verses uh, 14 and following, Paul says, may I never boast, um, yeah, this is the verse, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world, look at that, the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So, so part of the art of dying is crucifying worldliness in you and in me. What does that mean? It basically means, this is, this is the, the toughest point, and, but it's, it's probably one of the most important and relevant to you guys and to me in this room. I think we need a world filter. A filter. If I had a strainer, a colander up here, you know what those are used for. You, you strain out or you filter out certain impurities so you can hang on to that, which is good. Uh, computers have filters on them and passwords on them. And, and there, are, there are different things in our life today that we use to try to keep the impurities out and make sure that we keep the positive things in our life, the life-giving things in our life. But we all need an exercise where we go through and say, I cannot let this... Uh, part of the world become a part of me. We all need an exercise, a daily exercise in our life where we, where we, uh, we remove ourselves from certain influences of the world so that we can receive certain influences from heaven into our life. And, and there's just got to be some things that you say, I don't do that. I don't listen to that. I don't say those kind of things. I don't speak those kind of ways. My wife and I did, made a pact in communication with a marriage years ago, and we just said, no matter what's going on, we are not going to say the D word, and we are not going to use curse words towards each other. And you know what? It's made a big difference in our household because that was a personal commitment that we made to each other. And you know what? That kept the volatility and the ability to, and, and the reduction of a lot of strife way down when I was taking 
I was exercising control over my own vessel, when I was using my own will to conform to God's word. I couldn't let what she was doing be a justification for me saying the kind of things that I used to say and vice versa. Are you tracking with me out there? So I don't talk like that. I don't, I don't do certain things. I don't, I don't even go there so that I have to make those choices. In other words, crucifying the world in you and me means don't even put yourself in that position. You won't have to make a tough choice in the first place. There's certain environments that I don't go into, certain places I don't go, certain people that I don't hang out with. And, and, and what I think has happened today, and I, I want to do this in a life-giving way, but we're letting the world infect us and affect us with no filter. None. Some of you listen as your pastor. None. You have no filter. And you wonder why you're swinging over the wrong tree. You wonder why it's bringing death to the relationship that you have with God and with others. It's because no filter. And so you can't let, you, can't let, you know, 50 shades of gray determine and shape the values of your relationships. But we just don't even think twice about stuff like that. It's quiet in here. How do, I, how do I know? What well, you don't need me to tell you, you have a Bible and you have the Holy Spirit, what's wrong? You don't need me to tell you what's wrong. You have the Bible, don't, but don't read the Bible like a window. Read it like a mirror. Let it speak to you, and you make decisions. Am I going to conform to what his word says or not? Am I going to pull away from the world or not? Now, now I, I remember being on fire for God years ago. My wife and I were a young couple. We were young in ministry, and there was just, I just remember this particular time. I don't have time to tell it because of time. But I was on fire for God. My wife was on fire for God. You, you get within like, you know, a few yards of me, you're going to hear about Jesus. You're going to hear about the gospel. You're going to hear about church. That's how it was. And we had some relationships and some friends in our life. And some of you are not going to like this point. So I'm just going to say that right out, but I don't care. And so we were, we were in relationship with some people, and, and they were fun, and they were awesome people. Um, they were gifted, um, and, uh, but they were worldly. They were very, very worldly. And we were struggling in that relationship. And I remember my wife and I deciding to basically uh, pull away. We were trying to figure out how to do that. We just couldn't hang out anymore because every time, every time we did, it was leading to these choices of compromise. It was leading to these choices of, of like difficulty and conscious-related issues. And over time, we saw their values start to influence our values and their beliefs start to influence our beliefs. And we were... Our, our prayer life was diminishing, our love for the church was diminishing, our love for the things of God, and, 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 and we weren't witnessing like we once were because we felt like we were compromising, and we weren't doing some of the things that we knew God's word said as a problem. And so, and so I basically, I talked to one of them, I remember talking to one of the husbands, and I said, man, I love you, but, uh, you know, Stacy and I are just, we're going to throw ourselves into some other things and, and just really spend more time in some other things. We can't hang out like we used to. And I remember him saying, are you judging me? And the Holy Spirit told me this. And I said, no, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. He says, so you think you're holier than me? I said, no, 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 I'm not holy. That's the problem. But if I keep hanging out with you, I'm going to continue to be more unholy. It's not, it's not you. It's me. I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I, I, I want to be holy, but I'm not. And, and it, was, it was a difficult, difficult thing. And, 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 and sometimes pulling out means, you know, uh, some tough conversations, you know. And, and we had to pull out from those relationships, and we started being intentional and putting ourselves in, in groups within the church, and we started getting into small groups and connect groups and, and being intentional. I'm like, I need to be around like-minded people, people of like faith, going in the right direction. And, and so we stopped doing these worldly kind of groups, and we started doing groups that had relationship, but they also had a purpose behind them. And that's where connect groups really changed my life. And, and let me just say this. This is many years later, because we made that decision two decades ago. All of those people are divorced right now. All those people's kids, none of them serve God. Not one of them serve God. And, and as radical as it may sound, some of you need to make a break from the world. It could be relationships. It could be certain things that you do, certain things that you say, certain places that you go. You don't need me to tell you what the line is, but you better have a line. You better have a line in your life or you will find yourself dead spiritually, dead in relationships, and not where you want to be, fundamentally living from a different tree and not in the tree of life. Can I have an amen out there? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, just trying to be a good pastor, the Bible says, therefore, come out from them and be separate. If you can't separate in your hearts from someone, 
by being around them physically, literally, environmentally, then you need to pull away environmentally. There are some times, some, some, some kids can't go to a public school. They need to go to a private school because it just, they just couldn't handle it. You know, it's just they need a season for that part of their faith to cure. Some of you, you probably, you probably shouldn't work at that place. You need to be someplace else. Some, it needs to be that important. Some of you crossed the line before and you continue to run right along that line. You're going to cross over it again if you don't back up. If you can't separate in your heart, you need to separate in your life. Says the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you. And you will be what? My son's. And daughters, there's that that tree of life, there's that relationship, there's that family. And so your action step is separation. Everybody say separation. So as the campus pastors are coming to join me in both locations, I'd like uh, just to pray for you right now where you are. Would you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we begin to pray? I'll say this with every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just your guide. Will you you consider praying this? Will you consider asking this? Ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to you through this message? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I think this is an all play. I think this applies to everybody. If you're watching online, just just put your notes down. Put put whatever you're doing, all those distractions, and just, just pause for a second and say, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? Just a couple questions. Can you imagine how much better your life would be if you started on your face before God? And just begin to pray and say yes to God and no to me. person on their knees before God will never fall from that position. If you, if you humble yourself. Humility isn't thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. You just bring yourself low so God can come high. Can you imagine how much better your life would be if you lived according to God's word and not your passions? And you just crucified that part of your life. Can you imagine if you decided there were parts of the world that you were not going to embrace anymore? You were going to pull away from those things. You were going to, you were going to separate. You were going to separate. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to the people in this room. If, if you could pull Peter away from the things of God, you could pull us away. It can happen to me. It can happen to you. Give us wisdom and grace in Jesus' name. Within the sound of my voice, some of you are feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit right where you are. That's good. Conviction's good. And some of you are still carrying your sins with you. You've never surrendered your life completely and totally to Jesus Christ. And we're going to do something. We're going to surrender to Jesus. Some of you for the first time, and some of you already surrendered eternal security to God, but not your daily life to Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you both into that group, and we're going to say a prayer together. One is for salvation, and one is to live the crucified life today. We're going to surrender to Jesus. And if you want to be included in a prayer for salvation, your eternity, I would like you to just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make sure that my life is in Jesus' hands today. God bless you at the back there. Is there anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. For the first time, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sister. That's awesome. And if you're listening online, you respond too. God sees your hand. And then if you're here today and you know you need to live that crucified life so that you can stay in the tree of life and you're committing to daily. I die daily. You're committing to that daily walk, that art of dying, that crucified life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I want to stay. I want to stay in the tree of life. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to live according to your word. Come live inside me today. Today I put to death all of me, and I choose to live for you. I give you my life. I surrender myself. I crucify myself. Lord, today I surrender my passions and my desires. And today I separate from the world. Give me a God filter so that I can serve you and be godly in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word. Come on up, Pastor Mark. God bless you guys.